Okay, just getting set up. Perfect. Well, let me start out by saying Happy Pentecost. Today is Pentecost, and um, uh, we have these seasons uh, throughout the year that uh, were set up for us based on our Hebrew roots where everything specifically originates. And those are opportunities and time uh, for us on an annual basis to remember and to come into agreement with the things that God did uh, during that time. And it's amazing that they celebrated this in the Old Testament, and yet it related to the New Testament as well because every bit of it points to Jesus. And so as we remember Pentecost and we look at uh, some of what even the time is that it represents is Holy Spirit coming down and being with us as a deposit because Jesus said, I had to go, that the helper would come and then you would be endued with power to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And so those are incredible things. And that's not my message this morning, but if I was talking about that, I would, I would then say that we really want to look for that deposit this morning, and we really want to uh, come into agreement with that, and we really want to say, hey, yeah, Lord, uh, we got our agenda for what we need to do in Luke 8 today, but we want to come into alignment with your agenda for this day and for this time. So, amen. Uh, I do appreciate being here. Let me just add one more note. Uh, tomorrow is my father's 61st birthday. So, yeah, happy birthday to Dad. Uh, Mark, you can come congratulate him, sing him happy birthday. He loves that. Uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, and then if, uh, well, let me just go into this. My dad is getting older. And uh, a couple weeks ago, um, his, his mom uh, passed away. So uh, my grandmother uh, went home to be with the Lord. And uh, that was a, um, you know, that's not an easy time, right? And I began as I'm praying about this word and this message for this time, I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to say? I don't want to just get up and, you know, go through a couple of verses and do something. What are you trying to say right now? What is the season specifically entailing and speaking to? And uh, uh, so a couple things. Um, One is that my grandparents' generation, that age group, is getting older. And we have a finite amount of time that's here on earth. Uh, when, uh, when my grandma passed away and my other grandma before her, uh, or my grandparents in general, um, there are things that are lost. Uh, no more quilting, right? Uh, certain things that were cooked in traditional dishes. Uh, my mom's mom spoke German. No one in my family speaks German anymore. There's changes that occur when people are no longer here. And there's stories, and there's wisdom, and there's incredible and powerful things. And I just want to remind us of those so that we can just even maybe have a a freshness in our hearts to be looking to that generation and looking to that deposit and looking to those things and what were the real values and the stuff that was in there that we need to gain and glean while we do have time. So it's just a fresh perspective uh, on that and and in that. And, uh, you know, I got a chance to... uh, uh, to speak with my my grandmother before uh, she passed away, my dad got the the call that she wasn 't going to be uh, doing too well anymore, so he hopped on a flight and um, had gotten there uh, later that evening and had a chance to uh, connect with her on the phone speaker phone technology is wonderful and uh, got to say goodbye 
And in my, uh, my time, because I figured that that was going to happen, I was, I was really just asking the Lord, like, what do you want me to say to my grandma? Like, what could I say that would really bless her, that would honor her, that would, you know, what do I want this, this lasting memory to be about? And um, uh, as I was uh, praying through that and, and having the conversation, uh, he wanted me to remind my grandma that I so appreciated that she wasn't a complainer. And let me explain that. We had been there uh, uh, the summer previous, and Grace had just been born, and, and uh, my grandma's getting a chance to see her granddaughter, or great-granddaughter, rather. And um, it, was, it was a really sweet time. And I sat down with my grandmother, who at the age of 21 was uh, contracted with polio. She was told she'd never walk again, never have any children. She walked until about a week before she passed away, and she had five kids. So praise God. Um, and I said, uh, you know, I'm sitting down with her. We're in South Dakota. And uh, I said, Grandma, how's it going? I just wanted to connect with her. And I'm figuring she's going to respond back and say, oh, you know, my legs are really stiffening up at this place in life. And, you know, my back's not working. I'm not, you know. She didn't say any of that. She said, I'm doing really good. She said, I, I got, I'm so thankful to be alive. I got none of the negative. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, really? I'm like, Grandma, I got to tell you, that's... That's, that's pretty incredible that that would be your response in your true heart of hearts. And I was so sharing that with her in this, in this last call. And I was saying, I just so appreciate and honor you for the uplifting attitude that you had, for the fact that you didn't see the negative and all the bad, but you were looking for the positive. And then when I got off the phone, I was sitting here and asking the Lord, I'm like, what shaped my grandma so much so that in the midst of these difficult times, and they were not easy, uh, when your body changes and there's pain and all this stuff, in these difficult moments, that nothing negative would have come out of her. And uh, then talking with this with Katie, just like the Lord gave us this revelation. And so when my grandmother was uh, three years old, they, they founded the prairie in South Dakota. Can I just tell you a quick story? So they, 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 they were prairie settlers, and they went and settled the land and did all this. And her mom, whose name's Grace, uh, was the school teacher. And... Um, uh, so here is a, uh, the story, is, at least as it was told to me, and that is that, you know, these, these diseases would come in at different times, and uh, people would die, right? It wasn't like we had the same medical attention that we do today. When you're out in the middle of nowhere, you know, there's not the same antibiotics and all this other stuff that we have access to. Um, so this family, Christian family, gets uh, get this, this disease, and uh, so the, you know, these people who don't have much, they get together the nicest toys and the nicest stuff, and they give these things to, uh, to this family whose kids are about to die. And um, the family did die. Uh, my my great-grandmother uh, didn't want to burn those things like they burned the house and everything else because that's how you get rid of, you know, the disease at that time. Uh, she kept these toys in this um, chest, and my, uh, my grandma, my dad's mom, at the age of three, found this chest when she's just playing around one day. And uh, her and her sister see these beautiful toys, better t- toys than they have. And they get into these things. And uh, when, when great-grandma re- recognizes what's going on, she's like, holy smokes, this is bad. The kids are sick. Well, the doctor comes in. They have one antidote. One. There's two of them sick, one antidote. So my grandmother, because she's three and her sister's one, 
gets the antidote because she has the best chance of living. Her sister didn't live. My grandma did live. And as a result of the sacrifice that was made for her life, I think that that's what brought the appreciation and the value to every day that shaped her all the way to the end. So I just want to remind us in that because these are fresh perspectives. As I was thinking about that, I remember we just went through Memorial Day. Looking on Facebook, here's this young woman with the daughter. And they're at dad's grave because he died in Iraq. And she's like, this isn't just another four-day weekend or three-day weekend. This is about something much bigger. Will you remember, too, the sacrifices done for you? I remember uh, Saving Private Ryan. And that's a good movie, if you haven't seen it. Um, In Saving Private Ryan, you know, you've got Tom Hanks. Uh, who's uh, this war hero, and he's got this team, and they're going to all these different places. They're breaking through the barriers, and everyone's trying to figure out, this guy's amazing. What did he do before he came to uh, World War II? And there was this big pool going, and they're trying to figure out, what did this guy do? And, uh, uh, and the story goes, Matt Damon's uh, character uh, was one of five boys, four of his brothers that had just been lost in that war. And so they were now assigned not to go and do the big war things, but to go and find this Private Ryan and to bring him home. Uh, in, in the movie, uh, they get to this particular place and uh, uh, where they find Private Ryan, finally. And uh, uh, you, you come to find out through this journey of getting there that, uh, that Tom Hanks was actually a school teacher. And at home, people knew him as a school teacher, but there in, in World War II, he, he, was, he was something totally different. And that didn't quite make sense. Well, in the story with Matt Damon, Saving Private Ryan, uh, they get into this war over this bridge. And all these guys who had fought to get there and to find him and had been through all these different journeys all give their lives, but Private Ryan is saved. And Tom Hanks' line to Private Ryan there at the end, and this is, I just got chills right now thinking about this. He said, earn this. Earn this sacrifice that was given to you, that was done for you, that you would live. We came here for you to protect and to bring you home, and we did our job. And so if this is the one nice thing that happens out of this screwed up thing... You're going home. And so then it flashes back to him. He's standing there at all the graves in front of all these men. And he says to his wife, he says, Hey, honey, tell me that I was a good man. Tell me that I lived a good life. Because of the sacrifice that was done to him. For him. That he would have that opportunity to now be an old man and to come back to that place. Well, guys, guess what? Every one of us here today have the same story. A man did die for us. There was a man who went before us, whose life was better than anyone else, who is worthy of everything. And how then should we live if we know this to be true? If we know that to be true, it should touch us in a different way. It's good to get gripped by the movie in the sense and and to see that because Hollywood's so good at depicting it. I just want us to not lose sight of the cross and what Jesus did with that because that is the truth. My grandmother lived a different way. Private Ryan lived a different way. We do as well. We do as well. So there is a battle that is going on for our lives right now. There is a war that is eternal, 
that is continuing to go on? How many know that um, there are angels and there are demons? Yeah, there's a spirit world. These are eternal beings. They don't just pop up like we have kids and they're only 20 years old or whatever the thing is. They're eternal. And so the same thing that they were a thousand years ago, they are today. Amen? Okay. What we're going to do here in the next little bit as I, as I unpack this a little bit is in, in Luke 8 is we're going to look at the battle that is going on over our lives. In fact, in, in, in Mark, which is not the, 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 the context for what we're looking today, it's the same, same story though. In Mark, Jesus says, red letter, he says, unless you understand what this parable is about, you can't understand any of the other parables. You can't even get it. You just, it's, it's not going to mean the same thing to you if, you if you don't get what this is talking about. But there's a battle going on for our lives, and both God and Satan are after the exact same thing. And that is making themselves manifest through us. That's it. There is a war over the Word of God. Okay? That's, that's the reality. God says one thing, we hear it, and there's a war over that getting into us that it would take root and it would live. Every one of us deal with this every day. There's three battles that will be against you, and we're going to talk about that. The battle isn't whether we gather on Sunday or whether we miss the mark, which is sin. It's an archery term. It means to miss the target. It's not about that. What this thing is about is whether the Word of God penetrates us, gets roots within us, and has an opportunity to grow because then we change. All right. How many know that the Bible was written very simply? These parables weren't meant for deep theologians and scholars to sit here and articulate and to bloviate or whatever and just look at and go through. They were written for farmers. They were written for people in agriculture. It was written simply. That's the simplicity of this gospel. But what's incredible is the meaning and the depth of what the simple parables and, and how they bring. So I love that. I love that. But uh, so let's, let's take a look at it. Okay, so Luke chapter 8. If you don't understand this, you're not going to get any of the other ones. Luke chapter 8. Now, I'm reading, reading in the New King James here, so I don't know if anything's going to go up there and how that's going to track, but uh, uh, so just bear with me on that. Uh, setting the context for this time, it says in verse 1, Now it came to pass afterward that he, being Jesus, went through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, called Mary Magdalene, uh, out of whom had seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa and Herod's steward, and Susanna and many others provided for him from their substance or their excess. They resourced. What's interesting is, is just setting the context of this. Jesus in this part is, is, and Luke is accounting this, he's saying, hey, we've been going through a lot of places. People are healed, set free. All these great things are happening. And then it says, the next verse, And when a great multitude gathered, they had come. A great multitude then began to gather. There's people who are healed, set free. There's people who don't know anything. So that's who he's sharing this with. And he spoke in a parable. Verse 5, it said, A sower went out 
to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. It was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rocks, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it was choked out. But others fell on good ground and sprang up and yielded a crop of a hundredfold. Check this next line out. And when he said these things, he cried, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. I don't know one other place that I read in the Bible that Jesus cries out and says, If you've got an ear to hear, listen to what I just said. That's amazing. We should probably pay attention. Good, good idea. It's red letters. So, you know, go with that. So uh, then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he asked, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to the rest it is given in parables that, seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. What? Yeah, I'm I'm saying it real straight. Because if you're not looking for it, you don't have an ear to hear and an eye to see, you're going to miss it. So here's what he says. Here's the parable explained. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. It's a battle over the word. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. I don't know about you, but Eric mentioned in my intro here uh, that I had some struggles in the past. Okay, that's true. Um, uh, Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. So... There, the Word of God was constantly around me with my parents and other people and, and whatnot. But the enemy is going to try to come in, get me distracted, careless with the Word that is being brought in, that it would not take root in my heart, that it would not... I heard it, but will it get roots and manifest? That's one. Verse 13, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in a time of temptation, they fall away. We'll just finish this part. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those when they've heard, go out, and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and bear no fruit to maturity. Interesting. Though the ones that fell on the good ground are those who have heard the word with a noble and good heart and keep it and bear fruit with patience. Now let me just unpack really quick what what Jesus is saying in this, that he's screaming out, if you got an ear to hear, please hear me. I'm I'm trying here. And and, And so the ones by the wayside, this is when we become careless with the things that come. Why wouldn't the Lord just allow the seed to fall on the right soil? Well, it could have. But the birds of the air, let's just call that distractions. Let's call that when you leave here today, you're going to say, wow, that was really good. I think Dave did a good job with that. I learned something, heard something. But then you get in a fight with your mom or dad or your friend. Or you go back into what you got to do. And everything that was deposited here could just be picked off in a second if you don't take a second and chew on this thing. And and allow it to, to get in you and work it through and wrestle with it and read it for yourself. Okay, we need to be good stewards with the things that are, are done with us. But, but no revelation is the point. We can hear it and say mentally, yeah, that check mark, got it. But there's a difference between mentally understanding something and getting a revelation that brings understanding that you now 
it, you've, you've, you've adopted it. It's not just a truth you heard. It's you've adopted it. It's become a part of you. And that's the difference. So it's about revelation of the Word of God. Two, the rocky soil. Receiving the Word, got the Word, and they focus on the outward and not the inward. In, uh, in other chapters, it talks about, hey, it falls on the rocky soil and it springs up because there's no roots. Okay, what are no roots? Well, it's the fact that there's, hey, we're, we're focusing on the outward. Hey, I'm doing all the good stuff. I showed up on Sunday. I do whatever I'm going to do. And there's no root system to what's, what's growing up. And it says what happens there is that you will burn out. Right? It says the sun is going to come and squelch the thing because it doesn't have the tap roots. They're going to go in and find real life for itself. If it's all dependent on everyone else watering and feeding and doing everything, I mean, there's a time where we need to be that young. But then there comes a time where you're growing up and you've got to have your own roots and you've got to be able to do this thing for yourself. Come on. Okay, so what are the rocks that get in the way? Our life becomes so filled up with everything else that we don't get a chance to really own it, to set our own roots down, to be looking for these things. And, and that gets in the way from us having a root system and a structure that is, that is in God. So that's, that's huge. So, uh, and it says that temptation, outward influences, come and there's no root to hold you up, so you'll easily be blown over. As a younger man, I struggled with this big time. I had known the right stuff to do, but no deep convictions. Nothing that rooted and grounded me in a way that I could say no, walk away. I became a follower. I was blown by the wind. And that's the truth. You become a follower. If you understand something or believe something to be true, and then you do the opposite, you followed someone else into something. That's being blown by the wind. Number three, the third soil is the soil that was choked out. So the word was received, and, and it says that the cares of the world choked it out. I'm going to break down the two different things that, that, it, that it talks about in this. It says the cares of the world and uh, the deceitfulness of riches. So cares of the world. Uh, I looked up that word, and it's, it's called merimna, M-E-R-I-M-N-A-H. To divide the mind, distractions, anxieties, burdens, and worries, to be anxious beforehand about daily life. This is a focus that happens, that we can have the word, the right stuff planted, things growing up, but we get consumed by being anxious. We get consumed by fear. We get focused on the fear of what might come, that it causes us to be paralyzed and the word of God to be choked out within us. I'll say that uh, probably this is the root place where gossip happens and the root place where these things begin to grow up around us and they choke out our life. They choke out our life because we get, uh, we get bitter. We get fault-finding. We can get negatively focused, unlike my grandma was. Remember that story? And we can get negatively focused in these things where we get so focused in, we lose sight of what's the real thing, and that is whether the Word of God is going to grow in us or not. Are we going to allow that to steal or rob us when men fall, when, when sin issues happen? Are we going to allow that to steal everything and choke us out too? Because it's exactly what the enemy wants. It's exactly what the enemy wants. Second part of that is chasing deceitful riches. This is distraction. Hey, if, if, if we can't stop you and choke you out, 
We're going to speed you up. We're going to say, oh, you got to get rich quick. you got to go and focus on all your stuff over here. And you get distracted from putting in the time and the things that will give you life. That's what deceitful riches is all about. It's deceitful because you think you're chasing something, you're almost there, but it's a mirage. And there's always more, and there's always more, and there's always more, and there's always more. And we get taken out by the deceitfulness of riches. And that's one way that we become choked out. Number four is the good soil. And this is part of where I want to spend some time today because you are good soil. And uh, you are a 10. God does not make anyone that is not perfect in Him to the fullest expectation of what He's called you to be. And remember, Jesus died for us while we were still sinners. Hello? It's not that we were right or we did the good things. We, could, we were all messed up. And that's when we receive. And that's when He wants us. It's not when you get better. It's in that moment. It's in that place. So the good soil is getting the revelation in the Word. And in the two other accounts, Matthew 13 and Mark 4, it talks that uh, the, 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 the harvest that comes from the seed will yield 30, 60, or 100. Okay? That's what I want to emphasize this morning. 30, 60, or 100. So, does good soil have uh, weeds that come up? Well, absolutely. That's probably the prime place that, you know, seeds are going to try to, weeds are going to try to fall in and they're going to try to grow up. So there is a three-part way that we can be good soil, all right? And, you know, maybe there's more. This is just what I got. So uh, just breaking down the, uh, the context of everything here. So uh, one is that you have to uh, keep the revelation in the Word. It has to keep in the ground. The birds of the air aren't going to steal it. So, gate, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm planting that thing in here. Even though it's not living yet, I got the seed of it. And I'm, and I'm, I'm going to let that get in me. Then you tend your garden, and that's pulling weeds when they come up and looking at these things along the way and, and, and being, you know, spending some time with it. Uh, two, tangible evidence that there is growth. That's what it says. Uh, so this happens because you're in the light and you're allowing water to water you and all the good things that, uh, that happen with, with the nature. Okay, how many know that if there's a seed... You don't have to make a seed manifest fruit. Okay, here's the point. It grows up, and if you're a real plant and something grows up, it will manifest fruit. Plants don't chase fruit. Fruits manifest on plants because they're, they're into the right things. So that's how we are supposed to judge ourselves and, and, and judge it by the fruits. We have to look at our fruits. What is it yielding? Where are the areas that, uh, you know, that were maybe a little bit more barren? Hmm, maybe we can look at and break down. Am I getting distracted? Are we, you know, getting choked out because of some specific thing? These are supposed to be practical things for us to hold on to. So, no, uh, number three. Patience, it says, that it happens over time with patience. Patience. One of the hardest things to pray for, in fact, if you ask the Lord for patience, what's going to happen? There's going to be new people in your life that are going to give you the opportunity to express patience and work that muscle. And they call them grace growers. And that's, that's how it goes. We've all got that in our lives. And, uh, and so that's the test. Um, so when, when you were a brand new, in fact, let me just use this in a parable. If you were an apple tree, 
brand new apple tree and you're growing up and, uh, you know, you go through some, some winters and some things and you got that stake there that's holding you in in the beginning. And then finally, you know, hey, we can take any storm and we're good. The stake goes away and, and you're getting stronger and, and growing up. Do you know that if, if that apple tree was to manifest 100-fold, that it would kill it, right? It would tear the branches off because they weren't strong enough to carry the greater load. God will allow the right stuff to manifest in you to the level that you'll allow yourself to grow. I believe that's the difference between the 30, 60, 100, and why it's about patience. We have to grow up. There's seed time and harvest that every one of us are, are, are a part of. But l- let me note this. I believe that this morning, because it's Pentecost and whatever else, I believe that you can be a, a 30-fold person. And that's good. And people say good things about you, and it'll be nice, and you can get along, and it doesn't cost us much. But as a financial planner, if I knew that I could get double or more than triple the return someplace, I would go there every single time, whatever I have to do to get that type of return. Amen? Would you do that in your own finances? Sure you would. So we need to take that same thing personal. Take that same thing personal because that's what the Lord is giving us an opportunity to do. He's saying, hey, you can get so much more than just the beginning. I mean, just getting our fire insurance saying, hey, I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven, great. That's, that's wonderful. That's where it starts, but that's not really it. This thing's about the Word getting inside of us. It's about, uh, uh, you know, we go through all these cycles time after time of, yeah, you know what, we went and did this one thing and then it fell apart. And we fall apart in our lives in different places at different times. Because remember, weeds can grow up around us. And what happens is when we get to this place of saying, God, I'm just going to surrender all to you. I I want you to come in and craft and do this thing. I want to go deeper. I'm willing to sacrifice my time. I'm willing to pull out some extra rocks if I need to pull out some rocks. I mean, I'm willing to go deep and uh, so that you can, you can be made manifest in me. I'm going to sacrifice some pride. I'm going to get real. I may have some other people coming around me to help to prune me because that's a part of a growing process that you grow stronger in the right places. And and yielding to those things actually give us the ability to grow stronger, bigger, go farther. Right? It isn't an issue of obedience or disobedience. It isn't. It's not because we choose obedience every time. It's about how much more do we want. It's about what do we really want to get? What do we want to manifest? What, God, do you want to do within me? And um, understanding what these battles are, are half of the fight, right? If you knew that you were going against someone and they were just kicking your butt all over the place, which I was there, all right? So I got my butt kicked a lot. And... uh, Going back on this thing, when I got this message and I saw this for myself, and I, I got the chance to, to, to let it become real in me, I knew the fight that I was now fighting against. And I knew how to resist it. I knew how to counteract it. I knew how to recognize it. I knew how to tend my garden to be able to, to grow up into the right things and to walk out of the wrong stuff. And so, guys, I want you to be encouraged because God gave us the blueprint. 
And that's why he says you got to get this. You got to get this parable. You have to understand this thing if you're going to get any of the other stuff that I'm saying that's supposed to go in you. You got to get this. Otherwise, your seed will get ripped off, choked out, or or burned out. So that's for real. So I'd like I'd like to just pray here. Goodness gracious, I did do pretty good on time. So I had 40 minutes, and I was like, okay, I better, better hustle. Um, how many know that uh, the Bible is, it's alive, right? I mean, that's what Hebrew says. It's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to divide bone from marrow. The Bible is for real. I mean, if, if we read the Bible and it said one wrong thing in there, what would we knew about that book? Well, it's false, and we can throw it in the garbage. It's interesting that our Bible has prophecies in it that continue to come to pass. It makes statements in there like, your sin is uh, separated from you as far as the east is from the west. Have you ever gone so far east you start going west? No, you still go east. You go so far north you start going south? Yep. It only says east is from the west. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. From cover to cover, this thing is loaded with incredible stuff that's there for us. It's there for us to get. I mean, I can tell you about the seven compound names of Jehovah God in the Old Testament and how they relate to the sevens in Scripture in all these different ways, but that's not what today is about. I'm telling you, the thing is congruent from cover to cover through so many different writers and everything else. And the point is that we have the opportunity to come into agreement with it and allow it to uh, come into us. I want us to embrace the cross because that's where we come under Jesus. But I more so want us to embrace the resurrection power of God. Okay? The Bible's good. I thought it was boring when I was younger. It's for real. This thing's alive, and, uh, and, and it's the resurrection power that made Jesus different from anyone else. Buddha's still in the ground. Ganesh never lived, and, you know, that whole thing. But, but, but here's the reality. Resurrection power raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Our, our king lives today, and he's worthy. He's really worthy. But there's this age-old lie from the enemy that says that... Uh, the grass is greener on the other side, there's probably something I'm missing, or this is only worth like some of me, but not all of me, and we kind of hold back, or we don't understand, and we get robbed. And we get robbed because we, we come to this thing and we think, yeah, well, you know, that was kind of like a weak thing, or I don't know. I, I'm just talking for myself here, guys, because we do become familiar with these things. I think, oh, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. We did Easter, and that was really good, and I got it in the Passion, and I've had it at other times. But I, I really want us to be open up again to that freshness, that freshness of what happens when, when we come into the understanding of, wait a second, Lord, you are worthy I should live differently if that's true. That should change me and mark me. That should make me hungry for something. I mean, when, I'm, when I became in love with Katie, I didn't have to try to spend time with her and have a conversation. I didn't have to try to go and drive her and go the extra mile. I, no one had to ask me to do that stuff. I was like, great, I'm doing it. Right? Because when you're in love, you act so different. Then when it's, when it's by law that you have to do something, 
When love is the, was, is the leading factor, when love is the thing in our life that drives us and causes us to grow and to do it and to sacrifice and to go the extra mile, it, it, we just do it. I never wanted ever to get up and give a message in front of someone. But I, I then got this revelation that, no, God's doing stuff in you so that you can give it away. And I got tricked. <laughs> And it's the truth. I love him so much. That's why I raise my hands. That's why I worship, not just do songs. I worship the Lord with my life and business and work and in song and all the good stuff here. And so I just want to take a, a couple of minutes just as we're, as we're finishing out in, uh, in light of uh, the time and the conversation. There's so many ways that, that, that this could go. But I want us to uh, uh, just humble our hearts for a second. And, and just be real. And just take a second before we get off the lunch and we go and do all other things. Half of you just checked out right now? No, just kidding. Um, I, I do. I want us to humble our hearts and, and to hear this because there is a battle over the Word of God getting in you. Maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you've said, yeah, great, that's good. But, or maybe this is fresh. Either way, it's for right now. And, uh, and I want us to be successful and to not go 10 years down the road and we say, oh shoot, I built on the sand and the waves and everything else came and wiped me out. How do we build and establish on the rock? How do we get to that greater place? How can we be influencers for the kingdom of God? You know, there's no plan B. His plan A is that we get this thing and become lights to the world. And as the dark gets darker, the light shines brighter. And it's going to take us being light and not trying to say all the negative stuff of what's happening. Oh my gosh, all the hard stuff. No, we have to shine light in the midst of dark places and dark hours. It's, it's counterintuitive, but it's, that's the power of the gospel. So there may be some of us here, and I'm not trying to do this for any particular thing. There may be some of us here that say, you know, uh, yeah, I'm getting that. Where, where are some places that, that the enemy is picking us off? Where's some stuff that we're being reminded of that uh, the word that God keeps trying to give us isn't getting in? Or where are we not seeing it? I want, us to, I want to encourage you to wrestle with that. And the second one is the uh, being on shallow ground. Hey, it's about what I look like. It's about the growth, but not the roots. I promise you that's not going to work. And you burn out. I've seen so many people run a race, look awesome, be radical, the front row, arms raised, the whole nine yards, and they're not here right now. And that's because the cares of this world and the different things burn them out. You know, I heard it said that the definition of, of radical isn't who can shout the loudest and jump up and down. It's who can actually get this thing within them and endure season after season after season, decade after decade? Very few will live radically enough to do that. Amen? Where are we at with our hearts and saying, you know, what are we chasing? Are the things that are going on, are the priorities? 
I just want to encourage us as we, as we go home or spend some time or talk as a family or a couple. This is, this is real. And, and here's, the, here's the, the reality of Jesus. There's grace, man. This thing's all about grace. It's all about, hey, I'm not, bringing, I'm not coming into this world for condemnation. Uh, he gave his son that we would be healed, raised up, restored, and renewed, that we would be his children. That's what he wants. It's not about putting us under a lordship or dictatorship. It's about sons and daughters that love. It's about sons and daughters that respond to the guy who gave everything. Jesus gave it all. And that's the power of the cross and the power of his resurrection life. He did it for you and for you and for you, for me, for everyone. So, Lord, as we just come before you, God, I ask that you would speak to us. Lord, I'm asking that you'd speak to me. Jesus, that you would speak to our hearts and show us, Lord, where the enemy is trying to come against us. Thank you for your blueprint. Thank you for your blueprint that that guides us and leads us and shows us where to walk and how to to do this thing. And, And Lord, I thank you that you are so faithful. You are so incredibly faithful. Every single season of our lives, you give us the test over again. You give us a way to get freedom. You want us to be free more than we want to be free. And Lord, as we come to this place and we sit in this spot right now of more difficult days for sure coming in the future, God, I ask that you would raise up this room and your church, Lord God, to be light bearers. People that can truly carry your presence, your heart, into a world that needs to know what's going on. If this is striking any of us today, I just want to invite you to, to stand as 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 some... Um, Eric and the team would come up and, and actually, Harmony, could you sing that song that you did? Yeshua? Yeah. Could you, and so we're just going to do this for a second. We're just going to take a minute here. Just a minute. Stay with it. We're just going to take a minute here. We're going to posture ourselves before the Lord to receive something. Because there's an invitation specifically when a word's brought, yep, to get it. And the second is, On days like Pentecost, the Lord wants to come near. He does. He wants to come near. He wants to impart. He wants to bring that stuff to that next place. David has just shared about the Lord desires to come and when he's coming and what he's saying is for God so loved you that he gave his only son and that's the the heart posture that we have and we come to know and we come to encounter is that God so loved us that he gave and in that place where he encounters us as we are still sinners, not because our life is right or because we do things right or because we do things wrong or because we know we fall short. It's because he first loved us. And 
My prayer right now is that the Father's love would so encounter our hearts and that the revelation of His sacrifice of His Son on our behalf, that we are we are seen as as right, as righteous. We are seen as clean and pure. And it's not about our sin and it's not about our right actions, but it's about receiving the love of the Father. And it's about loving people. And it's about loving God. Father, we invite you and we say thank you for coming and encountering our hearts with your love. We thank you that the soil of our hearts can receive your love and it can go deep and it can spring forth fruit. And many will see and many will know the works of God because we can represent you. Father, we decree your glory in this place. God, we decree your glory in our hearts. We decree your glory going out from our hands to touch those who need to know you. God, we decree this day at Pentecost your glory coming in ways that we have never experienced. But ways that we have heard. God, your word says that you come and shoot the mountains. God, you, your word says that you come and you're like a fire that consumes. God, we want to know that part of you. We want to know that fierceness. God, but we want to know that tender love. We want to know that Father that comes and, and, and looks us in the face and says, Because I first loved you. It's nothing to do with what you have or haven't done, but because I first loved you. Thank you, Jesus. I want to just give us an opportunity to respond. How about up here in the front side? If you can do this at your at your seat, but here's the point: if you know that you're wrestling something, the Lord's putting something on you that you can feel something there. Uh, don't think that you're just going to leave and it's going to be different. Okay, uh, we have to wrestle with this stuff with the Lord, and uh, this is this is what it's about. Um, so, as as we go into this song, if uh, if someone wants some specific prayer, come up here to the side, and and and, and some of us will walk with you uh, in in that. Okay, um, and uh, uh, whether that's hey, uh, the seed never made it into my heart, and I might not be saved. Okay, that's that's okay. Um, that's great. Um, let's talk about it. Let's pray about it. Um, others might just say, you know what? I, I'm just looking at this thing, and I'm saying, you know, uh, I'm hungry for more. I've done 30. I'm looking for 60 and 100. I'm looking to be that, that real ground. Or I got an issue in this particular place or, or whatever it is. Let's just, let's just walk some stuff out. This should be normal. Uh, this is good. And, uh, uh, but if, stay in your seat too. That's okay. We're going to be up here. We're going to love on you. And let's do that.
together. Stand together.